Our series has been called Responsible, and God gives us a lot of responsibilities in life, and we've gone over some awesome ones in the previous couple of weeks. The one I wanted you to be aware of, to be reminded of today, is that we are responsible for shining the light of hope into a darkened world. We are responsible for shining the light of hope into a darkened world. If you walk through this world any period of time, on any given single day, you notice that people are kind of consumed with depression at times. People are consumed with sin at times. We live, to be honest with you, in a world that struggles a lot with darkness. The good news is that Jesus Christ came into the world, and we're going to look into a little bit more of that, to shine his light. And even more importantly than that, or added to that, would be this idea that Jesus has given his light inside of our lives that we go into this darkened world shining the light of hope. Yeah, on the t-shirt, I guess some of y'all noticed it coming in, maybe seen some of our students wearing it. It says, yes, I am one of those people. I have hope. And that's what shining the light is about. It is about shining the light of hope in this darkened world. And we do live in a pretty dark world at times. But I want to let you know there is hope through Jesus Christ. I want that to settle into your heart. I want you to be reminded of that. Our emotions can show it. Our words can show it. Our actions, our relationships, all of that can shine the light that needs to happen in the darkened world in which we live. See, I've been sharing this with my students, and I want to share it with you. There's a word, hopeless, H-O-P-E-L-E-S-S, the word hopeless. See, as believers and followers of Christ, when we see the word hopeless, we realize what that word means. It means without hope, there's like no chance of anything going the right direction. But I want to blow your mind, as I've been trying to blow the minds of others lately, is this idea. Even with the word hopeless, there is a word still there, and it is hope. Even in the word hopeless, the word hope still remains. It cannot be removed from the word hopeless. In a believer's life, or Christ follower's life, the spotlight, when we hear the words hopeless, our eyes, our heart, our lives ought to be able to focus on the spotlight of the word hope because we have Christ. We know that the world seems hopeless, but we know that it is not hopeless. We know that circumstances seem hopeless, but we know that they are not hopeless because we see through a different light. We see through the light of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. It changes our, our very being. It changes how we look at things. It changes everything. And that's where I want to kind of dig in. Jesus said these words in Matthew chapter 5, 14 through 16. You, talking to us, who are his followers, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, in the what? Same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, this light that Jesus is speaking of is not a light that we create ourselves. It is not a light that continues to be powered by ourselves. Because if we try to power our own light, if we try to continue to generate our own light, if we try to spark our own light, then it's going to fade out really quickly. Because we, in our lives, if we get a flashlight and put batteries in it, Eventually, the batteries wear out and the light, what, dies, right? If I spark a match and I hold it up, eventually it's going to burn what? It's going to burn out, right? So we realize that anything that we try to generate on our own, as far as light goes, will it last? No, it won't. As a matter of fact, it's kind of been proven. We have power generators and we have 
electric companies and stuff in the middle of this hurricane if people still lost power? Yes. Because no matter how man tries to generate light, man cannot completely source it and continue its sourcing. It takes God. From the very beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And his son, he sends the light of the world in. We are not asked to be the light of the world trying to source it ourselves. We are called to allow God, Jesus to be the source of our light. And that takes us to the next thing I want you to look at. We understand that we are responsible for shining the light of hope in the darkened world, and we also realize that Jesus is the source of light and hope. It is in him that we find the source. A matter of fact, we've got a couple of scriptures that back that up. In John chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, it says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness. I want to originally share the story, but I shared it with my students on Wednesday. I'm learning to grow, and I hope all of you are, to understand how important Jesus is to our life. How much hope that he actually brings into our life. How much light, no matter the dark times, that he actually brings into our life. And one of those important moments was this past Monday. I had to take my mom to an appointment uh, about her development of Alzheimer's. And it's been difficult. And some of y'all asked me how to be praying and all that. Just pray that God just guide us through the steps. And he keeps showing himself the way he did Monday. So I took my mom to the doctor's appointment. It was a really good doctor's appointment, actually, in comparison to the last one. If some of you know my last doctor's appointment with my mom, she used some profanities on a person who was helping us and threatened to hit them, and I've never seen my mom do anything like that. So going into this next appointment was like, oh, Lord, Jesus, please just show up and please let her stay calm. And she was super calm. And actually, I was about to freak out at one of the points during this because as soon as we get there, and this is one of the reasons I decided to shave my head this week, and I'm tempted to shave my beard. Are you all ready for this one? I haven't shared this with a lot of people, but here it is. We get to the doctor's office, and I imagine they're probably trying to play, and not play games, but check her mind and where she's at and stuff like this. And so we're walking through, and uh, the lady who's the nurse says, Hey, uh, Miss Simmons, who's this person with you today? And I'm wanting to say, and I think, no, I'm not going to say anything. Maybe there's a chance that they're just trying to test her mind and see. But then the nurse does this. It makes me kind of pause, and I wanted to really say something then. She's like, uh, is this your husband? <laughs> Lord, take the wheel, because I'm about to say something. <laughs> She is 67 years old. What do you mean? Like, I, but I didn't. I just thought to myself, man, I must be getting really great, or this person was playing like a mind game on my mom. So I went with that, and just I was like, okay. Then on top of that, the next thing was they were like, we're going to put you in a different room over here, and we're going to put your mom in this room over here. And I'm thinking, it is going to get bad. I'm about to hear some yelling and cussing down the hall, and it's just not going bad. But praise God, it, it worked out really well. The appointment went smoothly. We didn't get news we enjoyed or anything. They, they've said we're going to do MRI stuff just to confirm some of these other things. I was like, okay. So on the way home, there's a big storm brewing off in the background. I need to let you know this, too. My mom has been terrified from storms ever since I've been born, and I'm sure well before that. And when I was a kid, we grew up in a trailer, and in that trailer, my mom always believed that if we were in the closet of the trailer, then if the trailer kind of fell apart, the closet area would be safe. I don't know where all that comes from. But. So we would sit in the closet of our trailer with a flashlight and some magazines or comic books that I had, and we, we would do that while the storms were all around us and all that, and she was terrified. So fast forward to today, she's still terrified of storms. And so we're leaving, and we go get a donut at Krispy Kreme. Jesus is all up in that stuff. So... And then we leave Krispy Kreme, and the, the, the storm's brewing, and it's heading over towards Berea, and I can see the dark clouds, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, Lord Jesus, let us get home. 
Well, he didn't let us get home <laughs> before it stormed. Heading down Cedar Lane Road into Berea, the storm just starts, and then the lightning's going, the rain's hard, and I watch my mom just cringe down into her seat into like a ball. And I was like, oh, Jesus, I don't know what to do. And at that point in time, he's constantly reminding me through this, and I hope he's reminding you you're not in these kind of circumstances. And I'm not telling you this story so you feel sorry for me. I want you to see Jesus in the middle of the dark storm. Here's what happens. In my heart, it, it came to my mind just to sing Jesus Loves Me, most basic of songs. So I sit there, and I'm like, okay, God, show me what to do. And I felt my heart just start singing Jesus Loves Me. And driving down the road, I go, Jesus. And as soon as I said the word Jesus, my mom jumps in. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. And as we're singing that song, my mom kind of comes out of that ball and just sits comfortably. You tell me there's not hope in Jesus. Even though my mom's mind is being taken, she still is rooted in one name, and it is Jesus. And no matter what's happening to her mind, she will never lose the thought of Jesus. That is some good news. So if I, could I generate that on my own in that moment? No, as a matter of fact, I would have said I don't want that moment. But guess what? Jesus showed up in that dark moment. That is what we need to understand. When I talk about being the source of light and being the source of hope that Jesus is, it is so much deeper than just words on a page. It is a reality. If we'll just take hold of it, it could change our lives and the lives of the people around us. Matter of fact, Jesus in 8.12, excuse me, John 8.12 says this, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never be in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I want us to just kind of look back in the story. We're going to spend most of our time in John chapter 8, 2 through 12, but I want you to just, we're going to read the story and then we're going to kind of break it down a little bit. At dawn, he appeared, talking about Jesus, in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. He sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman called in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman is caught up in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, it commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say when they were using this question to trap him in order to have a basis of accusing him? Basis of accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to ride on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to cast to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until Jesus was only left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus brought incredible hope to this woman, incredible light to such a dark circumstance. And I want to just kind of take a step-by-step step through these scriptures, and I want us to kind of look at what Jesus reveals. He is the light of the world. What kind of things did he reveal in this storyline, and how do they apply to our lives? The first thing I want you to understand that Jesus does is he reveals the hearts darkened by sin. Jesus reveals the hearts darkened by sin. See, the number one thing that attacks us, that will beat us down, that will pull us down is this thing called sin. And it's still destroying lives to this day. But I want you to see how Jesus interacts with that sin. He doesn't deny that the sin is there. He does something better than that. 
Let's look at what happens. John 8, 2 through 6. Let's look at that section of verses. At dawn, he appeared in the temple courts where the people gathered around him. And he sat down to what? Teach them. The teachers of the law, in other words, show up. The Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. Jesus is right now revealing sin. He doesn't hide the fact that this woman is in sin. The Pharisees point out that this woman has broken the law. And the fact is, she had broken the law. The law actually says that the law that she broke did deserve stoning. What the Pharisees missed is that there was more than one person involved with this. They ignored the guy who was involved with it. They pointed to her, and they're denying their own sins before Jesus himself. Because the law would teach that you would disobey one, you're guilty of them all. So let's do a little test of our own room here. There's the law, the Ten Commandments is where we can start at. How many of you have lied in the last year? Oh, that's, well, that's about most of us in here. So uh, my students always ask how many of you dishonored your parents, but we'll skip that today. Uh, let's go to another one. How many of y'all coveted, which means you've been jealous for somebody else's stuff to the point that it's driving you crazy? <laughs> Some of those. So we just got two of those. If you're guilty of one, you're guilty of all. So the fact is, all of us in here could fill that word called sinner, right? Yes. Jesus does reveal sins, and he does it through the law. I want you to understand the law in and of itself is not a bad thing because if we don't have the law, we don't see the darkness of our heart, and we don't get to this better thing that Jesus offers. See, it is the law that reveals the heart. See, the woman is being shamed right there in front of everybody, but Jesus realizes that everybody else in this conversation has shame in their own lives too. That's the reason he says to them, let he who was out sin cast that first stone. Because the fact is, yeah, she's sinning, and I'm not excusing her sin at this moment, but y'all are sinning too, so why don't you go ahead and chunk some stones at her? Because guess what? All of you outside of me are sinners, is what Jesus is saying. And in this room, all of us are sinners. We deserve condemnation. We deserve death. The Bible's really clear on it. And in that point, if we just stopped right there, we would feel pretty hopeless. But the good news is, even in your hopelessness of your sin, there is a spotlight that will shine on hope, and that light is Jesus. The hope, the light of the world. Teacher, this woman is called in the act of adultery. In verse 5, the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? They were using this in order to trap him. See, the law is a good thing because it reveals the darkness of our hearts. Because until we realize we're in darkness, we don't desire the light. Have you ever just had the lights go off on you in a completely dark room? What did you want most? Some light? Because you're like, my toes are going to get stubbed if I go hunting for this. Can somebody chunk me a flashlight in here without hitting me in the face with it? Just get, try it. I need a light. I need some light. But see, that darkness of our hearts being revealed, we get the good news part of it's next. It's the next point. He reveals grace through acts of love. He reveals grace through acts of love. First of all, he did not excuse her sin. He just refused to condemn her for her sin. Listen to that one, I mean, one more time. Jesus does not refuse the fact that we are sinners, but he refuses to condemn us if we will receive the light of his grace. Did you hear what I'm saying? I want you to hear it again. 
Jesus will not excuse your sin, but through his grace, he will deal with your sin. That's some good news. Let's read that. John 8, 6 through 11. Let's see these acts of grace. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Here's an act of grace for you. I love how the Bible kind of leaves this one blank to the mind. Now, I've heard a lot of preachers kind of come up and say, I think Jesus bent down and he probably wrote the sins of the Pharisees down there. Does it say that? No, nowhere in there. Could, it, could that be a likelihood? Yeah, it could be. But I want you to notate it never says what Jesus wrote down. It does notate that Jesus did what? Bent down. And I want you to understand the beauty of God's grace isn't always just about what's wrote down because until you understand he bent down, you'll never value what he writes down. And here's what's going on in that scripture verse. It's not about what he wrote down. It is about what he, that he bent down. Once again, we don't know what he wrote down. The fact is that he bent down in his grace and his goodness and his love to somebody who needed it. And guess what? All the eyes that were on this woman ready to stone her had to come off of her, and they began to look at him. And in fact, this is what Jesus has done for us. He bent down to this earth, taking the wrath of God's eyes off of us and taking it on to himself instead. He bent down. In this particular verse, it's not about what he wrote down. It's the fact that he bent down. And he doesn't say he just bent down once. It says he bent down, and then it says again that he stoops down. He started right on the ground with his finger, and when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let anyone who was out sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who began heard and walked away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with a woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, neither do I. So we know Jesus reveals the hearts darkened by sin, and through his grace, know when it comes to dealing with your sin, that he bends down to take the wrath on himself so that we don't have to. So we know he doesn't excuse sin, but he deals with it through his grace and through his love. The woman who is hopeless, ready to be stoned, sees a light shining in her midst. That light is Jesus. Her hope is Jesus. And you know what? She didn't get let down by Jesus. They didn't stone her. He called out the darkness in their, the, people, the Pharisees' own hearts, and she got to see the full light of Jesus at work. So we understand those things. The next point we understand is that Jesus, the light of the world, reveals hope of a way out of darkness and into the light. See, Jesus doesn't just call us out of our sins. He calls us into something. He calls us out of sin and into a new life. Something better, something more, something that can be about him. Man, that's some good news. John 8, 11 through 12. Jesus declared, go now. That's with a sense of urgency. Go now and leave your life of sin. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, if you're feeling hopeless because of your sin and your circumstances, please hear me today. Jesus is calling you out of that, and he's calling you into a new life. He exchanges that by his bending down and he stands up and he declares, go. 
leave that life. And even more than that, he declares that we would follow him, the light of life. That is beautiful things. That is good news. That changes our lives. John 12, 46 says, I have come into the world as a light, and no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. If Jesus calls you out, you've got a choice. You can stay, or you can walk out of that into new life. He died on a cross, shedding his blood, so that you could know, you could be forgiven of your sins, yes, and also that you can have a new life, a resurrected life. We just celebrated our baptisms, buried in death and raised to life in Christ. That is a beautiful picture of the gospel. That's what the gospel is all about. Not that we would ignore sin, but that we would deal with sin by saying, Jesus, here they are. And him saying, I forgive them, now walk in this new life. So what does it mean? How do we respond? See, we know that we're enabled through Jesus to have light, right? Does the source run out? No, it doesn't. We are enabled to do something. See, anytime God makes us able to do something, we have the ability to worship him by living out, by responding. And that's what it means to be the lights of the world ourselves. We know Jesus is the light of the world, that he shines in our life, that we are sourced to be people of light, people of hope. And that's where we come to that next point, is this. How do, we, how do we respond to Jesus? How do we worship him back for the light that he's put in us? The first thing is the simple. We live like him. We live like Jesus. We live like Jesus. John, 1 John 2.6 says this. Whoever claims to live as him must what? Y'all too quiet. Whoever claims to live in him must what? Live as Jesus did. Whoever claims to have the light of Jesus, to have been called out of darkness into his light, who has been called away from their sins into a new life, whoever has that call on their life, if you claim that, then you're to live as what? Jesus did. We're to embrace the light. We're supposed to live in the light. Because Jesus, once again, in John 8, 12 says, Jesus spoke to the people again, and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of the world. And that brings us back to where we started at in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You, every one of you in this room, you, me in this room, are the light of the world. We are supposed to be towns built on hills that cannot be hidden This little light of mine, I'm going to let it. That was the worst shining I've ever seen. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Right. All right. I'm going to let it shine. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl or a.k.a. bushel. Am I going to hide it under a bushel? No. Y'all don't say it like you mean. Am I going to hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. So how do we live like him? The next thing is this. We bend down into darkness like Jesus did. We ourselves bend down to the people that are hurting and hopeless, just like Jesus did. That means nobody is too caught up in their sin, too lost, per se, to not be reached. And some of you have family members that you believe that are too lost to be reached. And the good news is that you're the person in the house that's supposed to share the gospel. 
And I'm going to be honest with you too. One of the hardest people to share the gospel with is your family members. But the good news is, and what Jesus says here, is where it's going to start at is going to be in the house. Where are we supposed to know the light and bend down the most? In our churches and in our homes. And when we learn to bend down in those places, no matter how much darkness or the circumstances are, then we can continue on into the other parts of the world. But I want to challenge you in your home and in this church that we come to worship the Lord Jesus in. Let us be people that are quick to bend down. Now let me tell you this about bending down. It may get eyes on you, and it may be eyes on you that have stones in their hands. But we don't fear that because we want the person who we're coming to the defense of to see Jesus as the light of the world. And they're not going to see Jesus as the light of the world until we become people who bend down to show that light. Once again, we read that in Matthew chapter 5, 14 through 16. But look back at Jesus again in John 8, 6 through 11. It says in John 6, 8 through 11, But Jesus bent down and started to ride on the ground with his finger. And then we look again and it says, When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone who is without sin be the first to throw a stone. So how are some ways that we can be those people of light? We can do it through building relationships. We can bend down. Beautiful story yesterday. We took our students to serve at, at the uh, food pantry. And there's a guy walking out, and he's got his, his buggy. And I'm like, hey, can I help you push that buggy? He's like, no, nah, no. Nah. He's like, well, I take it back. You can help me. I'm struggling today. I'm like, man, what's going on? He said, I, I've got bladder cancer, I found out. And I, my energy level's pretty low. I'm actually going for treatment this week. And I'm like, really? I said, well, what's your name? He said, my name's Gary, which is my first name too, by the way. And I'm like, that is so cool, man. My name's Gary, too. And I'm like, man, I hate to hear that's going on. And, and he says, can I tell you something? I'm like, sure. He said, you know, I, I grew up as a Jewish man. I was like, really? That's pretty cool. And he was like, he said, but I'm a Christian now. I'm like, this is awesome now. I'm not really drawn into the story. I'm like, you're a Christian now. He said, I said, what happened? And you could tell he didn't want to tell me at first. He's like, uh, uh. He said, I'm just going to be honest with you. He said, I wrote a bad check, and he said, I went to jail. And you know what happened? My rabbi, when I went to jail, he didn't show up. Matter of fact, he just flat out abandoned me, wanted nothing to do with me. He said, but a Jewish messianic rabbi came and visited him in his jail cell and led him to Christ. That was powerful. That in the man's darkness, his own rabbi did not come to see him, but a Jesus follower did. He didn't look down on the guy, but he got down with the guy. And he told him about Jesus. And the man raised up a new man. Can you see the beauty of the gospel? Can you see the good news? Can you see that's what we're called to be, is to go visit the people in the prisons, to go feed the hungry, to do these type of things. And we do them with a goal of building relationships with people. To have lifestyles that shine a light, that... We as Christians, we laugh differently and at different things because we're shining a light. We're living in the light. Wow, if we could embrace that. If we were people that bend down into darkness like Jesus did. If we lived out verses like Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing of the Spirit, if any tenderness, compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in, everybody say that with me, humility. Value others above yourself, not looking at your own interests, but the interest of others. 
And by the way you live your life, you look at other people's interests. By the words that you say, you look at other people's interests. But we are selfish people, to be honest. And without saying, Jesus, you're the source of light. I need more empowerment to be the light of you. And allowing his Holy Spirit to convict you and lead you. Then you'll be able to tell stories. Who in this room, I'm going to ask you this question. Who would like to be able to tell a story like I did with my mom in those dark circumstances? Who would like to be able to tell a story like that at some point in their life? Who would like to be able to tell a story that you visited a man in prison who had a completely different religion and because you were the one that showed up in Jesus' name that their life was changed and they're now following Jesus? Who would like to have a story like that? Well, when we realize that Jesus is the source of our light and we begin to live like Jesus, then we'll be able to tell those stories because Jesus is in control of the pen if we're believers and he's writing us into his glorious works that he's doing and we get to take part of those things. And that takes us to the next point. It is one thing to work for the gospel. It's also another thing to share the gospel. And there are some really dumb statements out there like this one. And you may get mad if you've used this statement before, but it's okay because I want to change your thinking a little bit. A lot of times we'll say, preach the gospel and use words if necessary. That is the lamest statement I've ever heard in my life. It is just nuts. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to live for Jesus. But Lord forbid, please don't let me have to speak about him. Does that make any sense? Let me ask you this. If I'm walking down a path and I see a poisonous snake there without a doubt and I hear the rattler going off and I see the snake and I begin to back up. But I see this wonderful family coming down the road and they got babies and they're pushing it down and I'm like. And I don't use no words. What are they going to think about me? That dude's crazy. Why is he walking backwards weird with a cock eye like? And and you know what's going to happen? They're going to be looking at me, all right. But like, wow, that dude's crazy. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to roll right up on that snake, and that snake could bite one of their children, and it could lead to somebody dying. Here's what I want you to understand. We do go out and live the gospel. We do go out and build relationships. But if you don't ever speak the gospel, then you're only doing half of what Jesus told you to do. And a halfway obedience is not obedience. When are we going to speak the gospel? The biggest thing, and I think the biggest trouble in the church today, is that people don't speak the gospel to people anymore. We don't use words to express why we're doing what we do. If you go on a mission trip, that is awesome and amazing. But you need to have in your heart prepared and asking God, while I'm doing this mission work, please, God, give me an opportunity to share the reason why I'm doing the mission work. It's because of Jesus. Because people need to hear about Jesus. Not about the work that you did but about the work that he did in you that enabled you to do the work that you're doing in that mission field. Because that's what we're called to do. We're called to speak in hope like Jesus spoke in hope. And look at Matthew 5, 16 again. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. So should we do good deeds? Absolutely. But what's the point of the good deeds? So our last good deed is to point to Jesus. Because it says you do those good deeds and so that they can glorify your Father in heaven. Be careful when you're doing works to make sure you're doing it all for Jesus. And be careful that you're ready to point to Jesus as the reason you did the works. He is our hope. He is our light. Closing verse, Romans 10, 13 through 15. And for everyone, how many? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless someone what? 
We're supposed to be evangelical Christians. And what that means is that we go out and we speak the gospel. We share the gospel. We share the reason for our hope. We look for opportunities for God to work in our lives so that we can share the reason we have hope. Unless someone tells them. And how will they go tell them without being sent? That is why scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who have good news. When I told you of my friend Gary that I met yesterday, I got to pray for him and ask God's hand over him. He'll probably forget me and my name, but he'll never forget that messianic rabbi who came to meet with him and tell him about Jesus. It forever changed his life. So much so that I didn't share this part of the story, but on the back of his car he had a, a, a college sticker of where he said, I started taking online classes too, but I'm kind of worried that this isn't going to work out with my bladder cancer. But I, I, I had hope to preach the gospel. And guess what? He's preaching the gospel. The good news. Because no matter if that bladder cancer were to take his life, his hope in Christ lasts forever. And that good news never changes. Pop that first slide up for me one more time. This is what we are called to do. We are responsible for shining the light of hope into a darkened world. We got to bend down. We got to befriend people. We got to live it out. And we got to speak it out. Man, our church is getting pretty full. We're going to two services. Imagine if we became people who bent down and spoke out what we would have. Heck, we might end up three or four services. We got Saturday night, Friday night. Because why? Because people really believe that there's hope in Christ and they're letting his light shine through them so they bend down and they speak out. What if we did that? I want to ask you a personal question. Look at me. If you don't have that hope of Christ in your life and you raised your hand and said, I would love to be able to tell those stories, well, those stories begin with having a source of hope, and that's Jesus. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've never asked him to forgive your sins, because he will, he'll deal with them. He forgives them. And if you've never started to walk in new life, then I want to challenge you to come talk with me or we'll have a group of prayer team over here at the end of the service. I want to challenge you to go to them. Now, the temptation is going to be to walk out this door and pretend like nothing ever happened to you or God didn't convict your heart. But if right now God's convicting your heart that you need that relationship with Christ, then I want to challenge you to do something about that. We'd love to express that with you and talk it over with you. I would love to be like the guy who spoke to Gary and his whole life was changed. I would love that. So talk to someone about a relationship with Christ. And if you haven't been shining that light and you let it get kind of dim, I pray that today you're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you to realize, man, I need to start bending down more and speaking more. I know there's some great people that really do a lot of work for God, but they don't speak it. Speak it. Speak hope. Let's pray. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name thanking you so much for your love, your mercy, and your grace that you bent down for us, the sinner, And instead of condemning us, you rise and you tell us to go sin no more, to go live a life that's different, a new life. I pray if there's someone in here who doesn't have that relationship with you, that this morning they will make a decision. Lord, speak to their heart, change their hearts. And for us to struggle with the light sometimes and and don't respond well to what you've enabled us to do, forgive us for that and help us to walk out of here being willing to bend down and speak out, Lord God, for your glory. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. Jesus, your name we pray. Amen.